hey, we're both dancing. I love it. It's the last, <laughs> well, technically it's the second last episode, but it's the last man episode of uh, Dark Place Streamers and of the Sandman. Uh, I take it. 10. I take it we didn't actually have to dance. Like none of the listeners can actually see us doing anything. No, but they, they, they know, they can sense it telepathically as they listen. Uh, they can, they can hear us on my breath. <laughs> they can't hear us, but they just know. They can't see us, but they just think I can tell these guys are dancing. Okay, so that was the seri- season finale. And I've got to ask Dean, how do you feel after watching the entire season from start to finish? Okay. What did you so, make of it? What I'll say is, I feel like we spent a long time with a lot of episodes that weren't really relevant, and you telling me, don't worry, it's all building up to the last episode. And then we got to the last episode and the story was over in the first 10 minutes. And I was like, what? <laughs> but, but now what? <laughs> yeah, I think it was a weird... I feel like I needed this. I benefited from this. But <laughs> I don't know how somebody who hasn't been waiting the past 20 years for a live adaptation that was mm. very accurate to the comic books. I think this is a big thing for Netflix in particular. This was produced by Netflix. but It wasn't just a show they picked up. Yeah, but for Netflix, they get given off to an awful lot for not staying true to the source material. But here but, they did. Okay. And here they were just absolutely nearly panel for panel. Um, yeah, they were very, very true to the source material. Right. And I don't know whether it paid off or not. I will say that I liked it. I mean, it's not really my usual kind of show. Um, but, you know, if we look at my usual type of show being the other show we reviewed, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. I think that this is objectively a better show, right? <laughs> uh, I'd say so. The only difference <laughs> is how much do they spend on Dark Marenghi, Dark Place? I don't know. I suspect the budget for the entire six episodes was about 10 grand. Um, You're <laughs> being ambitious there and very generous. <laughs> We've just discovered that this show had a budget of 15 million per episode. Um, now, honestly, that makes me like it less. Not just because of the capitalistic waste of money that goes into these shows nowadays, but also to the fact that I thought it was well made until I realized how much money they were working with. And now I'm like, oh, like, I thought I would get more for 15 million. Like, if I gave you 15 million and you produced one episode of this show, I'd be like, that's all we get? Like, for my 15 million, you know? <laughs> is quite disappointing. From 15 million quid, uh, I feel like they could have actually done an awful lot more with a lot less. So, like, sorry, how much... Um, this is something that I always found. Star Trek is a great... Not Star Trek. Star Wars is a great example of this. Whenever they introduce CGI, it kind of ruins the season. Mm. The series ruins everything. Stuff ruins everything whenever they were actually just going cheap clever cinematography can be much more beneficial to a motion picture than any amount of money you can spend on it oh yeah money does not substitute creativity something like monty python the holy grail or something like el mariachi those are both films made on a shoestring budget great examples they're great films they are great films, but I can't imagine a, a particular scene that really inspired me. The Knights at the Round Table. They dance whenever they're able. 
They do routines and course scenes with footwork impeccable. No, they dine no, well in Camelot. They eat ham and jam in Spamalot. No, 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 no. <laughs> the angles, it was very humorous and all that, but it wasn't exactly awe-inspiring. Sure, look, it's not going to win an Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. But is it? No, it's not. I, I feel like it deserves one. I know, right? <laughs> okay, Oscar, look, yeah. let's, get, let's get back on track. Um, no. <laughs> It was a good episode, and it was a good show. I actually liked the show overall. I don't regret watching it. I think it was good. And, you know, that's grand. Okay. I feel like there's a bus coming. A no, um, I, 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 yeah, it sounded like there was going to be a bus. There's actually not. It's fine. A tiny bus? Uh, no, I like big bus. No. So we... Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, where do we where do we start here? So we start with um, the two oh. two kids are oh. sleeping, right? No, no, no. Opening scene, they just found out that this guy's a murderer. Yes, well, the, he murders. The two, the two kids figure out that um, they figure out last episode, I guess, but we open after that. Um, the Vortex and her brother Jed are with the Corinthian with disco glasses, and they say to him. <laughs> And so he gets down and shakes his disco butt, and then they, they go don't. to sleep. <laughs> they, they really don't. Dean, do you still think Disco Butt was a good guy? Uh, yeah, more or less. I still think he's the hero of the piece. I damn it! I mean, no, Dean, he was not the good guy. We we need to work on this. <laughs> well, I love you, man, but like, no, no. You tell me when I'm lying. I don't know what he does wrong. Um, okay, I mean, the entire point of what Disco Butt was trying to do, and I will call him Disco Butt, not Disco Glasses. Disco <laughs> Butt was trying, it was u- using Rose. He lured Rose to this particular location so that he could break the barriers down between this, all of the unconscious the mind, collective unconscious minds of all of the murderers. That's, you know, he had ulterior motive. Okay, okay. Which is exactly what he did in this particular scene. They eventually, uh, Rose at the vortex, falls asleep with Jed in the bed, and then she's running around the place and ends up being, you know, in a weird kind of, I don't know, corridor? With the intersection, four junctions with three particular murderers that were quite popular. Yeah, so she's dreaming now, right? They're all dreaming, and they've got the three murderers, the three main yes. ones who organised the conference. Uh, one of them is pretty. And no, 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 because one of them is already murdered. Remember Fun Funland? That's right. So it's only two of them and then someone else, uh, I guess. Somebody, anyway, somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're all in the dream, whatever. But the dream, the barriers between the dreaming has been uh, taken away. So they're all able to suddenly show up in the same dream and chase Rose a little bit. Don't chase her much. Not like, not quite a Freddy Krueger scene. Yeah, it's not it too been. worrying, really. Um... And then the uh, Disco Glasses is giving a speech in the conference and he's saying, you're all murderers and that's cool and I really don't have anything to say so let's see if anyone interrupts me because otherwise there's not really any speech to make. And then the dream interrupts. Oh no, how convenient because he really wasn't saying anything anyway. And this is like a wrestling promo, right? Wrestlers come out and it's like they don't actually have anything to say. Be a shame if someone interrupted. All right on cue, someone interrupted. If he hadn't interrupted, what were you going to say? I think you had nothing. 
So that's what this yeah. was. <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, the things he was saying, he was just describing how they view themselves, which is quite important. Explorers, entrepreneurs, blah, blah, blah. Don't know where his speech was actually going to go. but It was, it was begging to be interrupted. In walks the dream, puts everyone else to sleep. Or somehow, well, they are asleep anyway. Or they're frozen, like it's a frozen it's, in time moment. It's not really clear. But anyway, it's, he's... It's not explained. It could be the dream. It could be the Corinthian. He could have realised, ah, roses up to our old tricks. I'll utilise all of these murderers. That kind yeah. of way. It's not explained. So he talks to the dream. And look, let's let's be honest here. Let's just skip a little bit, I think. But let's say where this really goes. Um, the dream wants to stop the Corinthian, the disco glasses... Um, from shaking his disco butt, but also from all of the other nefarious actions that he's been performing, and this and, and take him back to um, his realm. And Corinthian is like, "Well, I've got this knife, so how about that?" And the dream is like, "That knife can do no harm to a dream, um, and just to prove it, I'm gonna make you disappear. But whilst doing so, I'm gonna put my hand up in the air, very close to where you could stab it with your knife." And then the Corinthian stabs it with his knife. It's like, oh no, you stabbed my hand. I, I held it up to you <laughs> and you've stabbed it. <laughs> and that has worked because Rose is taking some power and that means the dream is losing some power and therefore, I guess, the nightmare is able to stab him. So that's what we learn. In it is one of my favourite scenes just because of that surprise <laughs> of, oh, you stabbed me and it hurts. What's this? Yeah, who would who would have thought? <laughs> Clearly not the dream. So then we jump over to Rose and um, she's running away from some murders. The dream is also just intervening and saying you have to wake up. Rose. Um, I can't remember how she gets out of that nightmare or that sticky situation. Does she stay in it? I'm trying to remember that myself. I mean, no, 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 she doesn't. She wakes up and leaves the motel. Because this is one of my favorite right. parts of the entire season. Because then the dream he eventually does disintegrate disco glasses. He takes away disco glasses and in memory of in memory of disco glasses. One last play Dean. <laughs> so I time honestly, sad. I honestly thought you were gonna give us an extended edition. <laughs> Um, so Disco Glasses is no more he's disintegrated and we have a little token so we know Disco Glasses has potential to live, you know he's still a, he's still there, he's not dead he's like a save state right now. He's yeah, he can be brought back or whatever, you know I guess. So It's that's, that's also fine. very strange to see somebody who has teeth for eyes be sad with those teethy eyes it is unusual because he does look sad. And this time he somehow decides not to stab with the knife. He's like, well, that, that trick is over. So I guess this time you can just hold your hand up to me again and I will not disintegrate you. I will let you disintegrate me and okay. I will not stab you. And there we go. It's done. And he's uh, very sad. It is very sad. Uh, this is the crucial this... point. This is the crucial point. Sorry, before you just start to cut you off. Um, I said to you when we were watching this, why would Rose side with the dream? Because the disco, the dream is like, don't listen to him. We're going to do these things and you're going to come with me. And disco glasses is like, yeah, he's literally just going to kill you. You're the vortex and the dream is going to kill you. Why would you go with him? And I was like, hold on. Why would she go with him? Like the dream is not offering her anything. Disco glasses went and found her brother. Like he has done, he has helped her. 
The dream was to kill her. Oh my god, no. No, he helped her for all of his own yes, selfish I reasons. Yes, I know, but she has benefited from him. She's not going to benefit from the dream. Not at all. Uh, but I mean, okay, she's not going to benefit from the dream, but she did also watch the Corinthian disco glasses murder somebody straight up. Murder a uh, weird, creepy, potential pedophile who was with her brother. Okay, and her brother also watched him stab Shank quite repetitively somebody else. Look, nobody's perfect. Oh my god, Dean, this is so much better. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, from Rose's perspective, I don't know why she would side with the dream. But look, it's okay, the choice has been taken away. Well, 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 you haven't quite come to that part. You're skipping over my favorite part of the entire season, which is the dream then takes away the self um, deception that every murderer there has given onto themselves. Yes, it's not clear how because it's he says, I'm taking away the dream. And it's like you're stretching the definition of that word. It's more of a delusion. It's not really a dream. It's a moral quandary, but okay. I suppose it's delusion. It is delusion. It is the concept of self. I think delusion is a different person than the dream. But look, he takes it away, and now they're all sad. And some of them kill themselves, and some of them report themselves to the police, and some of them just look sad. And all the collectors and murderers just leave. That is exactly this. The greatest punishment you can actually give yeah, guilt, guilt, and empathy, right? That's what they should yeah. feel. That's the case of, do you feel bad about this? Like, oh, A little bit sad oh. about the one who just blew his brains out. But look, whatever. Like, it is what it is. He was ugly, though. Yeah. You don't care about ugly people. I, 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 that's not quite... I don't want to kill him. <laughs> you know? Oh, you're ugly. Let's, let's not do it. Uh, but the pretty one uh, phoned, up, uh, phoned up police. And... Yeah. So... We're done with those, and that's it, right? Like 12 minutes into the episode, I was like, well, there we go. It's such a lovely... Yeah, it it could have finished there, but it didn't. Um, I mean, it's just a lovely scene. I I, I don't know. Am I vindictive vindictive for loving that so much? I think it's fine. Is this the part where the raven flies in, or is that later? No, that's the part where the raven just... He just poops. He flies in and sits beside the dream, and that's it. And we never see him again. I'm not going to play his clip because he does nothing. That's it. He flies in. It's like, we need to remember that we said there was a raven. We regret putting him in the show, but we have put him in the show so he can just swoop in. And that's, that's we've ticked a box for this episode. He will not be seen again. <laughs> Think how much his salary was <laughs> 15 million. <laughs> And he, yeah. what a waste of a character. So yeah, we know that's the, he literally flies in and cacaws and then we're done. Okay, what's next? Yeah. Um, so what happened next? Uh, oh, Rose was driving away. You were quite surprised by the fact that she was driving. I did not think she was old enough to drive. Well, it's America. They all she, drive. From the she, age looks, of she looks 13, yeah. But she's driving with Jed. And this is the best thing ever, actually. This is my she's favorite. 13, though. I think she's older. The only moment in the show that is better than the dream that one time saying <laughs> she's going to die if I take away the sand. Well, I'm going to take away the sand anyway. Bye-bye. The only moment better than that is this moment where she says to Jed, we're not alone. You've got a new grandmother who he will never meet. I said, <laughs> wouldn't it be brilliant if the grandmother dies before they meet? I tried to keep a straight face. <laughs> the entire time was like, I don't want to ruin this. 
I don't want to ruin this routine, but oh my god. Yeah, he Ruse essentially there. facilitates the death as well, which is even better. It's like, you're not alone. You've got a grandmother who I will kill before you ever meet. <laughs> amazing, oh, amazing, amazing stuff. No, it was, uh, that was so unfortunate. But <laughs> as they're driving away, she's talking about how she, you know, Jade has this lovely family that he's never going to meet. Um, they get a phone call from, I can't remember her name, the pregnant one who has the ghost baby. Yes. And I really wanted, for the first time in my life, I wanted CGI. I wanted to give birth to a little white Casper ghost, a little cartoon ghost. And that doesn't happen. Do we even see the baby? Yeah. We do. Well, we don't see the baby, but we see like a toddler. Right. At the okay. End of the episode. Right. So she's having a baby, and that means in come all the freak show people, Barbie and Ken and what's his face. I, I hate these people. Um, <laughs> so they're there. She's having a baby. Is this the part where we now skip to them all dreaming? No, we go as far as the hospital. Ken is talking to a, a, a nurse. Uh, Barbie gets jealous. What else happens? I think, I they, think all they go just go home. They, they go, go home, home and now they dream. I think. Yeah, they all fall asleep, and then and it's like here's Barbie with the weird walrus thing, and Ken's like doing sex acts in a sports car, and the one creepy goth girl's repeating the same line over and over again about a ship's. Net. I really like that actually. The goth girl repeating lines. Have you ever had intrusive thoughts? Yeah, occasionally. That whenever you're just trying to silence a thought. And it just keeps popping up. It's like um, a tune, a, um, uh, a song you can't get out of your head. Mm. Sometimes that can happen. It's the fact that they keep using the same thing over and over again. But I do, I've had dreams where it's, it's a case of like, I, I'm just constantly redoing the same thing over and over okay. again. Okay, I've not had that in a dream, but I just find this scene pointless. Um, but I suppose the, the point of it is some kind of like, the earth starts to open up and they're all, you know, going to die, I guess. But they're not. And Rose is like, hey, you got to wake up. You got to wake up. And I'm like, hold on. Is it Nightmare on Elm Street? Like, if they die in the dream, do they die in real life? That's never explained. But she's telling them they're going to wake up. And then I hate this kid. I hate the kid. In comes Jed in his superhero costume um, that he looks like he bought for $3 in a, in a store. And he says, I'm going to save you. And immediately falls into the sinkhole. Stupid, ineffective boy. I think that was the point of him. The ideology of... It's the only thing he does in the whole episode. Is fall into a sinkhole. I hate him. It, it, It highlights the fallacy of fantasy of being a superhero. Of being able to run out and save everybody. But, you know, ultimately, you're crap at it. And you're going to die. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing is, then the dream appears, and she's like, don't worry, they're all they're all in their beds. They're not necessarily safe, but like they haven't died, even though they've gone down the sinkhole. So it's not Freddy Krueger? So why was she worried? It's unclear. I, I suppose it was to create this level of anxiety, and it's something the dream can actively go and fix, if he chooses to, which mm. is also something you don't really want to... This is a person who left somebody to die in a bed... Um, after just taking a sand back, uh, do you really want to throw yourself at his mercy? Yes. Is this the part where she meets um, Fiddler's Green, or is that later? Yes, This. so this is the scene afterwards. Uh, the dream is about to kill her. Fiddler's Green, as you said, shows up 
And what does he do? Well, interestingly, we should backtrack a little bit. The dream actually says he doesn't want to kill her, but he has to. It's emotion, and it's the first time he's a character development in the whole show. So that's brilliant. Oh, yeah, you were quite touched by that, actually. Yeah, I liked him for the first time. Well, I, I liked him, but I liked him in a different way for the first time. Um, and Fiddler's Green appears, and he makes the, this is brilliant, the empty sacrifice. He says, <laughs> I will give my life for yours. And the dream was like, but how would that help anyone? You're not the vortex. Like, why would that be beneficial at all? He's like, okay, then I guess I won't. Like, the empty sacrifice, man. You knew it wasn't going to help, so you make the offer. I love it. Um, and then he says, I'm Fiddler's Green. I'm not a person. I'm a place. Come and see me sometime. And he turns into a lovely meadow. This is Stephen Fry. This is Stephen and... Fry. He he was exactly as I imagined him. Yeah. Perfect for the role. He uh, was he was perfect for the role. And he also makes a good meadow. He does, apparently. I, I would like to walk on Stephen Fry's face now. Just to yes. experience what it's like, I guess. So, I've, this has got to be the bit where now he goes to kill her again, but the librarian and the granny run in, right? Uh, yes. I feel like we're skipping a lot, but we're we're not. It's a weirdly we're paced episode. Not. This we're is just going a, fast. <laughs> uh, we're just going through the episode quite efficiently, and it's like this is what's happening. This is. Uh, yeah. I suppose we're not. Are we? How are we for time? We're good for time. I feel like we're skipping through it, but good? I guess this is an episode where they just wrap a lot of things up. So there's, there's not a was... lot of depth or complexity. It's just a lot of events, you know, a lot of narration, really. Yeah, it kind of just happened. Um... I guess from a comic book point of view, it was uh, quite a nice, tidy ending. Yeah. Um, but basically what happens is the granny has gone to sleep. Now, this is not explained. Somehow she realizes, suddenly I knew all these things about dreams and vortexes, even the rose never told me. And I'm going to get to the dream world and speak to the librarian. And I've got a lot of prior knowledge that we don't know where I got it from. And I also think I might be the vortex. Like, okay, I do think that we skipped a lot of stuff there. But here okay. she comes to the rescue, almost Deus Ex Machina. Like, here comes the granny. She's like, I'm the, should have been the vortex, not you. So take out yeah. a crystal heart from yourself and give it to me, and I will die. So the granny showed up. She read a book of what her life should have been if the dream hadn't uh, fallen asleep. And she realized she was supposed to be the vortex, but she wasn't the vortex. Um, how could she have had children during that time? It was that uh, actually she had a dream of a person with golden eyes, and that represents desire, mm-hmm. who is actually the grandparent of Rose, no great grandparent of Rose. Yeah. So now the granny makes the sacrifice, Jed never gets to meet her, absolutely brilliant. And so we've wrapped up all the stuff with the killers and with disco glasses. We've wrapped up this vortex sacrifice business, the granny. Um, and there's this lovely thing. It's like, you should come and live with us. Oh, no, wait, I'm just going to die. So that's done. <laughs> so like, that's, I mean, there's one or two little things that happen near the end, which we'll get to in a moment. But all the stories are wrapped up, aren't they? The girls that are yeah. ghost baby, like it's all done. Yeah, it's quite a simple-esque story, um, but it's got nice 
cult following. I, I'm not quite sure why, I guess. Yeah, it's not even a very long episode either. It's only 45 minutes. Um, it runs 10 minutes under some of the other episodes. So it's a curious way to end. I do feel like it all happens at the beginning of the episode. Um, but the little tidbits that wrap up things are, well, we've had a few times where we've seen Desire. So now the dream goes to Desire and they have a little confrontation where obviously you just mentioned that she was the, the, the I think the he or she, whatever, they were the grandparent of uh, Rose and the Vortex and everything else. And he says, you're not strong enough to take me on. And Desire's like, yeah, that's fair. Um, I'll get you next time, Gadget. And uh, <laughs> off he goes, you know. That's pretty much exactly <laughs> how it goes. Like he does have a little bit of aggressive, like he pulls her hair and, sorry, the hair. And uh, it gives quite a threatening, do you think you can stand against me, death and destiny? All Maybe of these are says no. Are, are people. And they're like, yeah, I can't, I can't do that. But um, they are fairly, you know, adamant. They're not put off. It's a case of like, well, yeah, they will get them next time. They're going to keep trying. Yeah. So that's they, the first thread for, you know, potential sequel material. Um. Then we cut to hell, I suppose. But one last thing about the dream. He does show a little bit of character development in this episode. And also he eventually says to the librarian, I'm going to make some new dreams. And he brings back the one that wanted to be a dream, not a nightmare. And kind of re-engulfed, brings him back as a dream. So that's lovely. And says to the librarian, I'm working on this. Why don't you look after things? And kind of is nice. And he even admits that she helped him see that he was wrong about some things um, and gives a little speech about how they're not the masters of humans, they're the uh, they're there to serve them, which is all things that he learns throughout the series. So he parrots it as though he invented it. But anyway, um, <laughs> that's fine. And our, our closing scenes are we go to hell and some lords of hell get together and the weird gloopy misshapen thing with faces in it pops up to Lucifer and says we want to expand, we can't leave hell but we think we could make everything hell let's expand into the earth and the dreaming and the silver city which i guess is heaven and all of these things and lucifer's kind of like well fair enough knowing um that it was 15 million per episode i thought the gloopy thing that was supposed to represent the lords of hell it was ridiculous it was pathetic yeah it, i was uh, no that could have been done so much better. Um, but I'm glad they put this scene in because I was kind of thinking, oh, are we not going to go back to that storyline in hell at all? So they put it in and I guess it leads to a potential sequel again as well. Plus so you, desire. you remember there was a um, a character in hell that recognized the dream whenever they were walking through. Yes, that's true. So we're going to come back to all of that, I guess. Yes. So yeah. the dream is going to storm hell to release that Just, person. I thought this was a standalone series, but this episode has made me realize that there will now need to be a sequel series. Mm-hmm. Plus, they're talking about a spin-off with Constantine. So there will be, you know, you got to milk that tie, right? Oh, I don't um, know how I feel about that one. I, 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 hate, I, I hate the actress, but um, she actually did a good job for Constantine. Maybe so I just hate her from Doctor Who. <laughs> That's basically it, right? We have our, our closing scene with Hal. We set up a potential sequel series. There is a bonus episode, which is two unrelated little short stories that we will cover, um, but it, it's not driving the plot right. forward. This is the end of the story, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I suppose these two other spin-off 
one-shot comics, they peppered the entire story, so it's a bit bizarre to put them at the end. They probably should have been slightly before. I'm going to say I do not... I've never, ever, ever seen a show paced so strangely in my life. Like, episode one happens, then it's a bunch of random stuff. Some of it's good random stuff, but a bunch of random stuff. Then, like, by episode seven, they're like, oh, we need to have a story. Let's go back to this, pick up the threads from episode one, and we'll do, like, a four-episode arc. Then there's going to be a bonus episode based on other stuff that happened during the other stuff. I, I just, I've never seen a show paced like this. It's very bizarre. It is really, really weird, and I don't have any justification for it other than it's a comic book. It's based on the comics, yeah. It held true to, um, it tried to make a series out of an episodic uh, storyline, I suppose. And and add to that, that, you know, in a lot of the episodes, the dream isn't really that relevant. You know, there's just different characters coming and going, like Constantine and good guy John and things like this. It's... And then there's the weird murder in the diner episode. It is strange. It is also slightly bizarre because a lot of these characters, Constantine has had his own comic book um, mm. and the entire storyline behind the Dream Lord as well. Um, no, Dr. Dream. What was the name? It was Dr. Dream in the comic books. All of these characters had their own story. It was part of a universe. So the fact that the Dream, the series takes place and it's own isolated universe is also slightly bizarre and jarring uh, for me anyway like um, I know in the, the comic books he interacts with the Justice League at some point he interacts with the Martian Manhunter who is an alien and you get to see how he represents himself to another species like that Okay, and it, it actually forms quite an interesting uh, much more deep and rich lore that it's not just this character is dealing with this particular storyline, but he is responsible and interacts with a lot of a much wider universe. So it's bizarre to watch the series through the the myopic lens that here is the story and it's just happening here and it is quite small and concise and he's not part of a bigger story. He's not part of a bigger world. Uh, yeah, world building is a massive issue here. Yeah, I'll be honest. Over, it was a bit weird. It wasn't my usual style. Overall, I liked it, even though the pacing was mad. I'm glad they reduced the Raven's role. Um, I'm really, really glad that the Dream finally has some character development in the last episode. That was very important to me. I'm glad that they finally did it. Uh, I do think it was weird to wrap things up as quickly as they did, but, you know, whatever. Rose is kind of like, why did the Vortex exist? What, to die and then the fiddler's green and the dream and everyone give a little like we think it's and they just kind of give this wishy-washy like yeah haven't really given me a straight answer here like on why the vortex exists just to die like essentially you're saying we don't know but using 100 words to say it so it's like okay <laughs> and to be honest the, it is the first two episodes is it the first the first episode where the dream is captured he has such a strong in uh, introduction Yes. Um, I will say one thing, because his introduction, he's this goth guy with his coat and his whatever. He's he's uh, goth Dylan Moran. Um, I do <laughs> I do like, though, that even when he addresses all the murderers and he stands on stage, 
he continues to use his dramatic, whispery voice. He does not leave that even more. He speaks to a full a room full of a hundred people in a dramatic, whispery voice, and I I do like but that. The dream shouldn't shout because he would wake up everybody. That's straight out of Steven Seagal's playbook. <laughs> <laughs> there is a massive part of me now that wants to see this entire series recreated with Dylan Moran. Oh, absolutely! Um, get him for the movie. I I yeah. I, I, I... Right. One thing, I think you're going to agree with me on this. If they make a sequel series and a lot of it is based in hell with Lucifer, they need to recast Lucifer. You just don't mention it, just recast. Oh my god. I can't remember the actress's name. She's it's the, the one from, yeah, the girl from Braun, isn't it? From uh, Game of Thrones. Braun. The, the tall blonde lady, yeah, with the short hair. She's not yeah. great. No, she's not. And the awful thing is that have you seen the, there's a Lucifer series based, again, on DC Comics, it's on Netflix, has a particular actor. He would have been perfect. This nonchalant yeah. kind of character. Ah, it's terrible. It's awful. I don't know who was in charge of casting because they got a lot of the others very right. And this one was glaringly not, not suited to the role. But look, yeah. really only appears in two scenes in the whole show. Like one episode plus one scene at the very end of the series. So maybe and- they'll do a spin-off and they'll recast. The thing is, it's the lack of interaction. It is kind of, they're there, they're threatening and all that. So it'd be interesting to see in the follow-up season mm. how Lucifer actually plays. If they do less, it'll be more. Yeah. I'm also confused about, oh, a couple of times, Desire has been seen but done nothing. And once Lucifer was seen but done nothing. And then the very end, they're just like, and we'll bring them both back in the last 10 minutes of the show. And now we've got two cliffhangers to set up a new season. I don't think Desire ever does anything. Did nothing. I don't really know why she was in the show, you know, but now it's like, I'll get you next time, Gadget. There we go. That's a thread for a sequel. And then the hell stuff is going to happen. And it's like, hold on. They only appeared in one other episode. It's not as if like this has been an ongoing thing that's setting up a sequel. It felt a little bit of clutching at straws at the end. Like, we've got to make another sequel, so let's pull these two threads that we didn't bother to explore because we wasted time doing other things, you know? But look, it is what it is. Overall, it was good. I will watch the sequel if it comes out, so I'm happy enough. And we're going to we're gonna do one last episode anyway for now. We're going to do the uh, the bonus episode. So I think we could do our own secret bonus episode. We could. We'll put it in the wrong place. And then people have to go looking for it. <laughs> well, I think that's it. Do you have a final thought? We've got about a minute till I'm going to cut the call off. Do you have a final thought? No, no final thoughts other than, Dean, I'm delighted I made you watch another comic book uh, adaptation. You did. You, that you enjoyed. swindled me, but I did enjoy it. Um, swindled. Uh, well, yeah. Look, for the penultimate time, unless you're operating heavy machinery, have a sleepy day. Sweet dreams, everyone. Or medium machinery. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.